This morning, I have brought with me an hourglass. This is the moment that Julie discovers something's missing from the house. And we bought this a while ago. I think we bought it in the old mill in the slaughters in the Cotswolds. And I imagine pretty much everyone here knows what an hourglass is. It was an early type of device for measuring time. There are a couple of sort of pear-shaped bulbs of glass and they're joined by a tiny passage in between them. And as you can see here, one is section of the one pear-shaped object is filled with sand, but if I turn it over, gravity causes the sand to start to fall into what will now be the bottom section of the glass. But it won't happen all at once. Only so much sand can pass through that tiny passage at a time. And how long it takes will depend on the amount of sand in here and how wide that passage is. And we can get them using for different sorts of measures of time. You know, I've got some up here, you know, for sort of three minutes or four minutes or five minutes. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, you can get them for all sorts of time. It just so happens, this one's called an hourglass because it will take an hour for the, the, all the sand to pass through it. So here's the challenge. I've brought it along to see if I can finish my sermon before all the sand runs out. <laughs> but actually I brought it along because I want to use it as a way into some of what I want to share this morning. Over the summer we have been thinking about this idea of a more Christ-like God. We're asking one basic question. What is God like? And I've been suggesting to you that from a Christian perspective, we have a relational God who wants to be known, who's been seeking to reveal himself down through the ages to us. In Hebrews, we read that God has been reaching out to us in different ways down through the years. But from a Christian perspective, God's decisive revelation was in sending his son, Jesus Christ, into the world. Different parts of our Bible express this in different ways. Like Jesus is the exact representation of God's being. Jesus is the invisible or the visible image of the invisible God. And these are quite poetic ways of saying just something quite simple. If you want to know what God is really like, look at Jesus. And I've summarized it with a mantra, which if you've been following the series, you could probably recite by heart that God is like Jesus. God has always been like Jesus and God always will be like Jesus. And I've argued that the driving force behind everything God does is love. God operates through love rather than coercion. God isn't forcing his will upon us. But last week we turned to a slightly different question. We asked, what good is a more Christ-like God? Because like we've well marked by so much affliction. It might actually do us a favour to have a God who forces will on things and got things sorted, wouldn't it? How can we think of God being sovereign, active, interested, involved and loving in his world and yet not controlling, coercive and 
the world as it is. As it is. And last week I spoke a, a little of in creation. God always kind of steps out of the way, allows the world some freedom to grow and develop. And I spoke of three forces at work in our world last week, just to refresh your memory. One is natural laws. We live in a fairly predictable world. It's governed by laws of science and nature, and we rely on that for life to be in any way livable. For example, you wouldn't be able to develop a vaccine with any degree of reliability if you couldn't be fairly sure if over time it would impact the vast majority of people in pretty much the same way. Imagine if I sort of had a needle up here and I said, I have got a brand new COVID vaccine. You could quite reasonably ask me, will it stop me catching COVID? Or will it at least stop me getting too ill if I do catch it? And if I respond, ah, who knows? Sure, it's all just random anyway. I doubt you'd be rushing up to accept the, the vaccination, even if you, most of you weren't double-jammed already. We conduct huge trials so that we can find out how vaccines are likely to affect us, and, and we can be pretty sure that what happens in the trials is indicative of what will happen as it's rolled out. So without natural laws, we wouldn't have a vaccine program. Our world operates with natural laws. What goes up comes down. But another force that's allowed to be at work in the world is human freedom. I mean, just because we know the right thing to do, it doesn't mean that we'll actually do it. God created us to live, to grow, to thrive in particular ways. But we're free to reject it. And our story is one of how all too often we do that. Experience tells us that right across our world, every day, people are exercising their freedom in ways which do immense harm to themselves, to others, to the created order. If you doubt that, just flick through a newspaper or a website or watch a bulletin on news on TV and you will see human freedom being used very destructively in lots of different and if those were the only two forces, natural law and human freedom, if they were the only forces at work in the world, we would be in a pretty bad way. We would be at the mercy of all that life has to throw at us. But there's a third force at work in the world. Grace. God doesn't just abandon us. God participates in the world through willing partners who then mediate his love out into the world. And that's where my hourglass comes into the picture. Because this is a picture of how God does it. In the last few weeks, I've introduced you to a particular Greek word. That word is kenosis. And it means emptied out. And a, few, a couple of weeks ago, we thought of a very early Christian hymn in Philippians 2, which speaks of Jesus setting aside all the trappings of divinity, emptying himself, taking on vulnerable human flesh and being obedient to God all the way to the death on the cross. But last week I suggested to you that this wasn't just something Jesus did for 33 years and then went back to being more obviously Godly. No, this is what God is like. This is how God works in the world. This is how grace 
interacts in a world afflicted by the negative effects of natural law and human freedom. But the hourglass shape is important because this narrow pinch point through which the sand falls, that's the human factor. God is emptying himself, seeking to pour his love, grace and mercy out on all creation. But he doesn't just dump it on the world. He does it through people, communities, through willing partners who will share that love and allow themselves to become channels through which that love, grace and mercy flow to others. He does it first and foremost through Jesus. But his work continues in us by the same spirit that was at work in Jesus. Bishop Desmond Tutu puts it like this. For whatever reason, since humankind showed up on the scene, God does nothing without a human partner. For whatever reason, since humankind showed up in the scene, God does nothing without a human partner. And it's there in the primal creation narrative, right at the very beginning of our Bible. Very first chapter, Genesis 1:26. Let us make humankind in our image according to our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the wild animals in the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the and then having created them, a couple of verses later, God addresses them directly and says, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds in the air and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. And then in the second creation narrative in Genesis 2, God takes the man and puts him in the garden to till it and to keep it, or as the good church good news Bibles would put it, to cultivate it and to guard it. You know, those two narratives, Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, they are so different in many ways. But one thing on which they do agree is the place of humanity in that picture. God wants his world to flourish and to thrive. But he's seeking human partners to enable that. People who will allow themselves to become the channels through which God's grace, love and mercy is emptied out into the world. God has placed great trust and great, great responsibility on humanity's shoulders. And God takes that seriously. Perhaps more seriously than we do, and perhaps more seriously than we really want God to. Oh yeah, we know the next part of the story. We exercise our human freedom by going to choose, choosing our own way. And that's not just a story of something that happened a long time ago in a garden far, far away. It's a story which is played out in lives across our, well, in our lives, in the choices we make. When we exercise our human freedom in ways which are disobedient and even destructive. Each of us stands in need of grace and forgiveness. We need God to step into the story for us. But even when he does so, how does he do it? 
Remember, God does nothing without the work of a human partner. Even here, God doesn't break the choice or habit. Even in saving us, God does it through a human partner. In human flesh, God enters the picture, overcomes temptations, forgives sins, and conquers death by passing through it. God takes on human flesh, and then Jesus becomes what Adam fails to be. God in Jesus becomes the channel through which God's love, mercy, and grace are emptied out and through whom it flows to the whole earth. God partners with us in and through Jesus so that he can heal us and save us. But Christ doesn't take up his cross and die so that we don't need to. Quite the contrary. Jesus said, if anyone would be my disciple, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow, follow me. He empowers us to take up our cross and follow him. And that's why I've got these little sand timers here. Through Jesus, God's love, grace and mercy flow to the whole world. But God continues to love the world and pour his love, grace and mercy in smaller ways through each one of us. And that's why I shared the passage from John feeding the 5,000. Yes, we did get there eventually. For our contributions can seem really quite meagre. At times we can feel like you're standing in front of a huge hungry crowd with a few loaves and a couple of fish. Gone. What was that? But God can take whatever we offer and uses it by his grace to do far more than we can imagine. But remember, God doesn't do coercion. God won't force us to follow. Our response must be freely offered. But it's a response we offer in response to God's invitation. We are invited to join God in plans he is orchestrating for the world. We are invited to take our place in being the channels through whom God is emptying his love, grace and mercy into the world. God pours himself out on us so that we in time might be filled. But he fills us by his spirit, not for his own sake, but so that we can be emptied out with that from that love to others. And of course, I know there's a limit to this hourglass analogy. Because I know that eventually the sand will run out of there. It's a finite resource. I do promise you I will be finished the sand before it does that. 
that actually that hourglass, its usefulness as a timer, actually depends on the fact that we'll run out. And we know that three, four, five minutes, an hour even has elapsed, all the sound will have flowed from one through the channel from one section to another. But it's not like that with God. For his love is limitless. It simply keeps flowing through willing partners after willing partners. His Holy Spirit is at work in us. So that it's not God's love, us expressing God's love to the world, but God expressing his love through us. Through us, God is taking on flesh and moving into our neighbourhoods, wherever that might be. That's how God works in the world. That's how God has always worked in the world. Be it through Moses, who was a stuttering shepherd, who led a nation out of slavery. Be it through David, a shepherd boy, run to the litter, whose own father forgot about him, becoming king. Be it as we saw today, through a little boy saying, well, I don't know this sitting here, but here's my packed lunch. Be it through Mary, a virgin teen, who literally offers the hospitality of her womb. Through Mary, God quite literally enters our world through a human partner. She carries God's son. He inherits her genes. She contributes 100% of Jesus' human DNA. Christ is the sole mediator between God the Father and us. But Christ invites willing partners to be the channels through which his grace, love and mercy flow out into the world. So what have you? Maybe you were challenged by the ducks this morning. What gifts and talents has God given you for a reason? What concerns or passions has God laid on your heart? Where are you feeling helpless? Where you feel I'd love to help you, but if I got involved, what could I do? I mean, I'd be as much use as a few loaves and fish catering for a large crowd. It might feel like a pointless exercise. And God won't force you to participate in his plans and purposes. He won't force you to become a channel through which his grace, love and mercy flow to the world. Our Christ-like God doesn't work by coercion. But if you're sitting in that sense of, well, what can I do, or not being good enough, recognise it's pretty much par for the course. It certainly was for those people on the screen and for countless others. 
to write the Bible story and to write history. But that's how God feeds the world, clothes the naked, heals the sick, and brings his love, grace and mercy to the world. Through individuals and communities, through people like you, people like me, through us working together, allowing ourselves to be open as the channels through which God can work. He does it through willing partners who offer what they have, even when they feel what they have to offer is a few loaves and fish in the face of huge need. When we offer ourselves to God, he fills us with his grace, mercy and love so that we can become the channels through which that grace, mercy and love flows to a world afflicted by natural laws and abuse of, of human freedom. We become the channels through which that third force, grace, is allowed to operate and flow out into the world. Grace and peace be with you.